And then he gave me the mic. He said, use my call sign, call, call that guy there. <laughs> and uh, so here I am operating under his control, and I made contact with somebody in another country, and it just blew my mind. On two meters, I got excited when I made contacts two or three counties away. So yeah. that was it. It goes the financial <laughs> thing we was talking about earlier again. We got all exactly. this HF stuff now. Exactly. I'm Dennis Mojado, call sign AD6DM, and this is the Hamden Thoughts Podcast. This is a podcast about amateur radio, electronics, software, and tinkering. Today I get to talk with K5YVY, Joe Brett. Joe likes to share his operation and contesting on live streams, and is part of several group ham radio discussions on YouTube. Let's get to know more about Joe. Stay tuned. Joe, thanks for being on the show today. How you doing? Doing good, Dennis. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to have you on. You're in Mississippi. That's it. I looked you up on QRZ. I guess you live kind of close to Elvis's birthplace, right? Just to the west, about uh, about thirty minutes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't think I've ever uh, talked with anyone from Mississippi before. Uh, well, maybe I have. I don't know. What's it like out there right now? Over here, it's getting pretty hot. It's getting warm. Uh, and today's real real muggy and hot today. And we had a, actually a tornado went through Elvis's birthplace uh, in Tupelo last night. Oh, wow. And we're looking for uh, some more of that type of weather coming in here tomorrow night. So we're stuck in the hot and muggy middle today. So a lot of clouds, but also hot and muggy, huh? Yes. Wow. Well, you're pretty active on YouTube, uh, active YouTube creator, and also uh, I like your shack. I always comment on it on the live streams. It's got, uh, for our listeners here, it's kind of like this darkened, uh, what can I call it? It's It just looks really cool, like a mad scientist lair, I would say. And uh, you got all this gear in the background, some cool blue lighting on some of it. And uh, you have your studio mic right now. And if anyone goes to your channel, they'll see this on the thumbnails too. It's just uh, you got kind of the same angled setup where we're looking at your profile and you're normally operating from this uh, side view, right? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I kind of like the side view a little bit. I kind of feel like it's uh, when I got the idea of my camera angle, for one, I don't have a lot of room in front of me. So that kind of played a role. But as well, I kind of thought... You know, I like to justify and articulate. Mm -hmm. So uh, the camera angle off to the side kind of invites you as you're sitting next to me in the shack, uh, just hanging out with me instead of just sitting knee to knee staring at me in the face. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the way I kind of look at it. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I do like it, though. It's very inviting. You have quite a few uh, streams on your channel right now, live in the shack streams, right? 
and that's various yeah. it looks like various contest videos and just general operation like there's sometimes it's not even any purpose you're just going on the air and you just want to share it with people yeah exactly i i really didn't realize how much of a little live streaming that i've done in the past two years until i went looking back through some of the older videos and I can't really explain why I done it. I don't have a clue. I guess I was probably just uh, what I call fiddling or tinkering, mm -hmm. and, and there it is. So, how long do your streams normally run? Well, when I started really getting, uh, I guess back in December when the COVID shutdown started, and was actually getting people in the live chats. Um, those live streams, when I was being pretty regular with it, would last up to three hours. But every time I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna run for about an hour, say hi, make some radio contacts, and then go back in the house," but you get engaged with conversation with the folks in the live chat and then people coming on the radio saying hello. And three hours later, oh man, I really need to go in. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of the the allure of live streams. I, that's why I love participating in them because uh, I remember in the early days I used to watch uh, Dead Mouse. I don't know if you know who that is. He's a musician uh, who does like, I guess, electronic music. And he used to do Twitch streams where he would have a chat. And that was the first experience I have ever had where you can interact with the artist, right? like yeah. in real time and it's like whoa i'm really here with this guy while he's producing his next album right and uh i think what uh, youtube did with live streams is they brought that kind of connection to tons of hams and uh, they you know just having that direct contact with people who are doing cool stuff right in our case operating or talking about various gear or just having debates and discussions uh, people have bugged me, actually. They've said, Dennis, you should do a live stream podcast. And I'm like, I don't even know how that would work. I got to think that through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, that thought crossed my mind, actually, today when I was thinking about the interview. I was thinking about uh, when you and uh, T.O. done your Nuggets show, and you turned it right around on him and did an interview with him. Yeah. So. Well, that was pre-planned. I did. <laughs> that was like kind of, I wanted to to cross question him because I had been wanting to have him on the podcast for a while. So I was like, why don't we just, you know, double purpose your ham nuggets and I could ask you some questions. Yeah. He was, he was cool with it. That was, I think that was one of the longest podcasts I had too. Cause I mean, that's yeah. just like you said, there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of stuff going on, go off topic very easily. And then you get all the feedback and suddenly you're just on this like totally different track and, an hour and a half has passed already. And in your case, three hours for a one hour show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, your background, what do you, what do you do or what did you do if you're retired? What did you do interests and how you got into ham radio? All right. Well, um, Got a little ways till retirement, so um, 15 years now into the law enforcement side of the life, and uh, here with our local uh, sheriff's department. So, I always enjoyed working with the county people, and um, just I've been offered a glass of sweet tea before I've had to take somebody with me, or you know this and oh, that. Wow. So it's uh, it's been been adventurous, uh, but. And it's just, I don't know that I would do it to many other places in the world, but uh, 
I, I like where we're at here for the most part. Uh, so that's, that's all I've known for the past 15 years. Before that, uh, I worked your, uh, grocery store jobs and gas station jobs, worked mm-hmm. in a furniture factory. That's, that's a big industry around here. So, and this is where we ended up. So are you a pretty good carpenter then? Can you build stuff? Woodwork? Well, carp, I should, I should be, but I was the inventory control guy when I worked at the furniture places. I see. Uh, but now I say I should be because carpentry runs in my family. My dad's a woodworker and my grandfather and some uncles made a living building houses and other carpentry stuff. So I've, I've picked up a little bit, you know, I, I built my desk in here that's oh, built wow. in. Of course, nobody can see it, but it's a, it's attached <laughs> to the walls of the shack. And, oh, that's nice. Uh, so I, I was able to manage that myself, but yeah, well, that's something that I've always wanted to get into, but I just don't have anything. I don't have any tools or, you know, <laughs> actually even today yeah. I was looking online. What is a good table saw? I don't even know where to start. And so I've, I've just started searching for one. I was like, Hmm, what should I get as a table saw? Should I get one of these little portable, like, fold up ones that people use on job sites or should I, you know, and it's, it's kind of like getting into ham radio. You just get overwhelmed with all the choices. And and so it's funny you should bring that up, but that's definitely an area that if you ever ask me what, what's something you wish you could get good at, I wish I could get more into working with wood and building my own stuff. Yes. Uh, one thing I guess I like is for, of course I like to, to build anything, whether it's with wood or aluminum uh, and, making antennas but uh the um scroll saw i found to be uh pretty relaxing actually uh as tedious as it is uh one of the first things that i done in scroll saw is made me a call sign plaque and uh anybody that's not real familiar with that it's just a, a wooden base and then your call letters and and number that is cut out in in wood yep. with a with a fine blade it, it takes some patience and but for some reason it's actually just kind of relaxing i guess it's kind of when you're in front of a radio and it's just you and your radio it's just you and your scroll saw and you're making this design then so i decided is, to is challenge this, myself and made kind of like uh, a jigsaw is that the same thing well, a jigsaw is a hand, uh, what I consider a jigsaw is a handheld reciprocating saw, you know, uh, where the blade goes up and down. The, oh, okay. the scroll saw is, is kind of on a table and it's got a lot finer blade on it. So you make finer cuts and designs with it. Yeah. But seems like you could lose a finger too very easily. Yeah. Yeah. You still want to be careful with that. <laughs> it's actually a slow cut. I mean, you can, you can go fast with it, but you better be you know pretty experienced so i I go slow with it well that goes to show how much i know i have to get (laughs) into this stuff (laughs) gotta learn more but sorry to hijack you were talking a little bit about your interests and you know your background why don't we get back to that okay so we covered what what i do for a living uh as far as i guess background goes um I'm one of those guys that's always born and raised where I'm living now. Um, so I've never lived outside of the county that I currently live in. So pretty familiar with it and some folks around. But as far as interest goes, I've done 
well, I guess you could say interest slash hobbies. Uh, used to be big into RC planes and, and things like that. Uh, I, I really had so many hobbies going on at one time that I can't tell you what they are. This actually come up on a show <laughs> not long ago, and I couldn't remember what all hobbies I had. I just remember my wife saying, look, you got to pick one hobby and stick with it. You're spending too much money. And uh, so it's I stuck with like a shotgun of hobbies because huh? I knew I could do it forever, but that didn't solve the money issue. Wow. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just kind of spraying the hobbies everywhere. And then you picked uh, one of the yeah. most expensive ones when you wanted to narrow the focus. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so what kind of activities do you like to do most in ham radio? Well, activities I enjoy most in ham radio is I, I really enjoy casual contesting, I call it, um, because I'm, I don't really do the radio contest to compete with other operators uh, unless you live close to me i might but uh there's some big guns out there and i'm just a hundred watts and wire guy you know um, mm-hmm. uh, i don't have uh, the big power and all that so what i do is i compete with myself every year i say okay well what was my score last year in this contest let me see if i can break that score this time around and uh but i just have fun with that also the contest uh gives me an opportunity to get a lot of qsl cards in the mail and uh that i normally don't get on just a regular basis and i i just really enjoy getting the paper qsl cards in the mail and i'll i'll send one back for everyone that i I get but um yeah that sounds cool what are what are some of the contests that you regularly do well, I enjoy the QSO parties. Uh, of course, I don't really get serious in many of them, except for the Mississippi QSO party. Um, but I suggest, uh, you know, working any of them that you may hear, because if you like getting certificates and QSO cards and stuff like that, uh, QSO parties is a great way to do that. Uh, yeah. Remember, I worked the uh, Tennessee was having the QSO party, and Tennessee's, you know, just right north of me. And uh, I only live one county away from the state line. So a lot of those stations, I had trouble. You know, my vertical antenna is set up for, you know, it's got a low takeoff angle. So it's more of a DX uh, kind of deal, a long distance uh, antenna. So okay. trying to work the next state next to me with that antenna is a little tough. And so I didn't make very many contacts at all. I, only a few hundred points, I think I logged into it. Two or three months down the road, I get a certificate for the uh, the Mississippi station with the most Tennessee contacts. So <laughs> it's just stuff that you ain't even trying for. You, yeah. you might get it. And from then, I was hooked. I'm like, okay, I got to try to get this again, you know. Casual so. contester. That's awesome. Uh, the uh, CQ Worldwide contest is another one that's real fun. Uh, mm-hmm. All the bands just magically open up for that weekend. And it's just uh, a, a lot of them. I, I really tried to shy away a long time for uh, the contest that had the long exchanges and the, the serial numbers to go with it because there was so much information to remember. It was just kind of intimidating. But uh, within the past year, I said, you know, I'm just going to try it. And if you just kind of practice a little bit what the exchange should be, I, I'll write it on a notepad or a sticky note and put it in front of my radio. Yeah. So I can just look at the exchange and uh, and go from there. And it made it a lot easier, and I actually enjoyed it. So I'll participate a little bit more in those. But Yeah, I, I stumble into a lot of contests, 
and I'll be like, what is this? And then I'll just look up a contest calendar and I'll, I'll realize what it is. And then next question, of course, is what is the exchange? So I know how to jump into this. You'll be surprised. A lot of these contests, they bury the exchange example deep in the documentation. You can't figure it out for a while, but that's a good idea. I, I should probably just like throw some sticky notes on my monitor for remembering what these different exchanges are. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so there's some of them. I've, there's no way I could remember it if I didn't write it down and put it in front of me. So yeah. And having a good logging program that'll keep up with your serial number, uh, if you if you're into software logging, that really makes it nice too. Of course, I guess you could do the same thing uh, if you was doing it with a paper log. Just write your numbers for each contact. But yeah. So what do you use? What's your favorite logging software? Well, if I'm going to do any kind of contesting, I use the N1MM. Um, and I use it because that's what I first figured out how to use. I know there's a lot of different ones out there. Uh, not necessarily saying that's the one for for you, the listener, but uh, I suggest just trying them. I tried several different ones. It was just the first one that I got the flow of, and I stuck yeah. with it because I know how it works. So we, we use that in, in CW Ops as well. They, they train us on N1MM, and uh, yeah. I don't think... Because like I use Ham Radio Deluxe, but I have not seen any, or at least I don't know about any serial tracking on that. I'm sure it probably is there. I just it's it's a very comprehensive set of software, <laughs> so I just kind of use it for automation, so that it sets things up and sends them to QRZ automatically. Um, but yeah, N1MM is good too. I've uh, I've used that just during the CW learning days. Yeah, and you know they you're right they can be pretty comprehensive and uh, there's stuff that N1MM can do that I still haven't done with it or, or tried. But I see people online talking about this or that, and I'm like, wow, that does that. I'm gonna <laughs> have to try it. Yeah. And, uh, for my just general everyday logging, I use uh, Log4OM, which uh, is abbreviated for Log for Old Man, and uh, <laughs> it's it's good for a little bit of automation and uh, automatically uploads a lot of my contacts to the electronic uh, QSL logs, and uh, I've just got the flow of that one too. And and both of those are free. And I'm I'm a I always say I'm a poor country guy, so uh, I like free. Definitely, there was a bird earlier that I heard on your audio here. Well, do you know oh. what kind of bird that is, <laughs> or is that your phone? I don't know. What, <laughs> no, that's a chirping bird outside. That's uh, the downfall to my shack is it's got very thin walls. But yeah, did you build that sh- that shack? Well, I guess you could say I built the inside of it. Um, okay. This is actually a an eight by twelve metal storage shed that a lot of people use to put their garden tools and stuff in. Okay, because uh, I, I think I, I saw it on your QRZ, like uh, a picture of your shack. I'm, yeah, look, I'm looking again pictures now. On there. But you got some sizable antennas, and then there's a picture I think of your shack. There it is. Yeah, it's toward the bottom. And it looks like a cabin almost. Well, I really, I was really wanting a wooden type storage cabin, and uh, that some people make into tiny homes. I had a great vision for that. 
I was going to use the part next to the window and give the wife the rest of it uh, for storage. But uh, we had a family friend that came up and said, hey, I got this uh, 8x12 shed you can have for a really great price. I, I gave $200 for this building. and Oh, wow. I, I couldn't say no to it, even if I wasn't going to use it for a shack. Uh, if I was just going to throw storage in it, it still would have been a great deal. But, but uh, we had gotten a new home, and the layout of the home is just... Uh, I can't even picture myself where to put a computer desk, a little long radio gear. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I moved everything out here. And we put some insulation up and put some uh, wall paneling and put some heat and air in it. And here I am. <laughs> yeah, I see the AC you got in there. Yeah, it's, it looks like a cool little place there. And then you got it lit. So it looks a lot larger in your streams. Yeah, so I, I kind of like that uh, if the background's dark and you can't see, then you don't really know where it stops. Now, that air conditioner you mentioned in the background kind of throws a wrench in that. I, I got to paint that thing black or something that kind of <laughs> sticks out. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of like uh, when I'm sitting in front of the computer and just trying to relax. I like dim lights. Um, I, don't, I don't want a lot of light, so... This is it works out good for me and yeah. i threw some little uh colorful lights back there you mentioned them being blue i just realized i guess my child has been messing with them because they're supposed to fade to different colors oh okay but uh they're not so that kind of helped a little accenting lighting i guess yeah and since we're on the topic tell me about your antennas because it looks like you have a tower and as well a uh what is that? A Gap Titan DX vertical looks like. Yep. So my tower is currently it's currently a forty foot tower, just a run tower. Um, that houses my VHF stuff for local talk. I have a fourteen element uh, high gain Yagi antenna on top of it, and I've got a couple of verticals that I use that's off the side of it or on top of it. Or uh, maybe some other little radios I hook up at sometimes. I use one of them I use for an APRS digipeter. Or if I have some local friends that are going on some trips and want to talk back to us. Um, or I had one that was an over-the-road trucker, so he would be gone for a week at a time. So I could I could switch the APRS digipeter over to a, a simplex node on Echolink to where they could still... Uh, keep up with the locals here through that oh, um, pretty cool. the, the tower is only 40 feet because this is high as i wanted to get it without any guide wires it's just uh it's just freestanding right now oh really and the reason i haven't been able to do any more height on it or guide wires is of course being out in the country i've, I've got some trees i need to cut back oh, uh, okay but the trees being so close to the house and other structures in the yard, um, I'm not going to do it myself. So it takes a little bit to get the money together to have somebody to come cut these things up. But I'm working on it. I've, I've got one down that's opened up some more room that I might be able. I've got some more tower. I'm thinking about putting up a second one to house my HF antennas. I've got HF beam and 
rotatable dipole and a, and a big old six meter beam that I'd like to try out sometime, but I, I've got to get the room to put them in there, you know. Looks really cool though. And, and, and the picture is deceiving. It looks like you do have guy wires on there, but I guess you're saying it's freestanding at this point. I also laugh because you say you only have a 40 foot tower. I would love to have a 40 foot tower. <laughs> I think <laughs> well, my, and, my you know, uh, wire goes up about 31 feet currently yeah uh, I, I try to remember that i guess you know I, I i grew up with uh around cbers my dad was into cb he had a 60 foot tower on the side of the house as i was growing up and oh, that would be amazing i had some great uncles uh that lived up and down the road from us and uh one of them had a hundred foot tower and i was just all these guys out here in the country had had big towers, you know. So I feel like my tower is, is pretty short. But uh, <laughs> you know, I guess I'm blessed to be able to put up a tower. Uh, yeah, I did yeah. have one friend that lived in another county. He was excited to put one up, and then he found out he lived too close to the airport and couldn't couldn't go up very high with it. So, oh man, uh, I'm lucky to live in in a place that don't have uh, restrictions as far as that goes. Yeah. So tell me what kind of rigs are hooked up to these uh, these antennas. Well, the Gap Titan DX Vertical is currently, at the moment, my only HF antenna I have. Um, and the ICOM 7300 is connected to it. I have, uh, I actually got some more antenna parts in today that I ordered from uh, KM4ACK. You may have heard of his. Yeah, um, okay in fed halfway i just yeah. got some of those parts in i think he's short on some of them uh, like the winder and, and stuff but you can get the majority of it the only thing i had to order was uh the magnet wire from another site and i'm gonna have to make my own winder but that's gonna be no problem so i'll look forward to trying it i have my first hf radio that i purchased is sitting over here behind me you can see it mostly in the streams uh it's a kenwood ts440 it's just connected to a a mobile antenna i have just sitting on top of the shack so i just use it kind of to receive a little bit and then sitting above the kenwood is a yezu ft840 that's the first yezu hf radio that i've gotten and i received it from a friend that uh decided he would bless me with that so i'll hook it up every now and then i'll i'll change it and let them each have their turn on the gap titan every now and then to uh, play with them as far as the vh so uh, vhf stuff my two meter uh is a icom 880h uh two meter 440 rig but mm -hmm. i don't have anything for 440 really antenna wise so we just use uh, the vhf side mm -hmm. yeah well your your 40 foot tower has that big yaggy on it so yeah i imagine you're using two meter a lot yeah, I was um, I was real big into two meter for a long time because I had my technician license for ten years, and I guess the reason that I had a technician for ten years uh, was I never had anybody to really show me an HF radio. I never been around one. I didn't really know what it was about, what the hype was about. Um, but then I ended up meeting another local ham that got licensed uh up the road and he was an extra 
and he told me he's stopped by my shop someday and let me show you you know he was telling me about all these contacts in these other countries he was making so i stopped by and then he gave me the mic he said use my call sign call call that guy there <laughs> and uh so here i am operating under his control and i made contact with somebody in another country and it just blew my mind on two meters i got excited when i made contacts two or three counties away so yeah um that was it so general and extra i knocked that out and there goes the uh there goes the financial thing we <laughs> was talking about earlier again I got all exactly. the stuff now exactly i mean i i had my technician for 17 years Sim yeah. very similar story i just didn't have really anyone to talk to about radio other than other people on the repeaters and they were they would sometimes reference you know they were talking jt9 and and things like that and it, that, that was all foreign to me i didn't understand what they were talking about but i just knew that it was something to do with the bands i couldn't go on and so i said no maybe eventually i'll try that out but uh i think it was when i started going online and just seeing what people were doing with ham radio that it got really exciting for me and then that's that's kind of where the the switch flipped for me i think i would say 2017 early 2017 is when i got kind of excited about hf and and giving it a try and then as you say it's a massive sinkhole of cash after that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i always uh remind my wife you know she's not she's pretty supportive of the hobby and uh she just keeps me in check you know make sure we can pay the house payment before i buy something but we always us and a few friends have a saying you know hey hun you know i could be a bass fisherman and have a eighty thousand dollar boat but instead of you know just got a couple grand dollar radio yeah <laughs> you know that's a good way to try to it. articulate it <laughs> just got to kind of set the the scale of what things could be so yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean on top of the boat and then you got to buy fishing poles and lures and you know ham radio the same way but yeah you don't have to spend as much if you don't want to so yeah that's one good thing about the hobby you can actually spend as little or as much as you want so there, there's something in it for everybody at all uh, price yeah but that's a it's a very interesting topic to me because i i try to go back to those days when i really didn't know what was going on and how limiting that was i even have friends who are currently what i would say you know, starting out hams, they've been licensed for two to three years, but they're still just trying to get that initial foothold, that initial grasp of what the capabilities are. And that's why, that's part of the reason why I always like tweet things and share, try to share things and want to talk to other hams on this podcast is I just want to get an idea out there of what people are doing and what they're capable of, um, of accomplishing with as you say 100 watts on a wire or you know with these other bands that are available to us and that's also uh, i try to remember like you said uh how it was when i first started if i didn't happen to come up on a group of guys that were willing to show me different aspects of the hobby and and what i needed to do to do what i wanted to do with the hobby you know, I, I probably would have never got in it. So when I come across somebody that is a new ham or thinking about getting it, I try to explain as much as I can without overloading them. But uh, 
just kind of let them set the pace and let them know that they're welcome to ask me questions that I may or may not know, but at their pace, think of something, let me know. And, you know, also paying it forward. Uh, there's so much stuff that I have now that I was probably gifted, you know, uh, the Gap Titan DX Vertical. I probably would never myself be able to afford that uh, antenna if I was going to look for one. I probably wouldn't spend that much on an antenna. But I was gifted that antenna by uh, a local Elmer uh, before he passed away. So uh, it's, oh, it's wow. a really special antenna to have. So with things that I've got laying around the shack, you know, I've got I've got some extra tower sections. I've, I may have an extra antenna. I've got some connectors, some mm -hmm. junk wire, you know, stuff that's junk in my shack, but it may be very helpful to somebody else. Uh, I'll definitely uh, pass it to them. So. Yeah. I noticed you also have on your QRZ page a D-Star, it looks like MMDVM hotspot. So I imagine you're also active on digital. Well, I'm I'm really not that active now. When I, of course, when I first got it. Now, this is the thing about me. Um, whenever I come across something new, I want to try it, and I'm going to mm -hmm. be pretty big into it. And then I'm probably going to move on to something else. But um, so with the uh, the hot spot there that you talked about, I guess the reason I even put a picture on on the uh, QRZ page of it because if you notice my case is a cardboard box yep so I, I ordered this hot spot and here you know it's got the uh the little pi zero and the the digital hat that goes on it but i didn't have no way to protect it and i didn't really want to buy a case uh surely i could find something around the house to put it in and that was the box that it actually came in <laughs> you repurposed I, it <laughs> Yeah, so I just I just cut some holes in it, uh, made a hole for the screen, a hole for the USB cable to go in, poked some holes in it for it to breathe, you know, and uh, I was quite proud of that uh, little invention there. I love to repurpose, you know, don't yeah. throw it in the garbage, let's use it for something. It looks cool. But yeah, I still uh, I still get on there. The the National Weather Service offices here. I'm not sure about how they are across the country, but uh, our local National Weather Service office is Memphis, Tennessee, and they've recently started getting back into amateur radio at their offices, and they have a talk group on DMR to where we don't have to have a liaison on analog repeaters and stuff during Skywarn nets and stuff anymore. We can have direct communications with them. So like last night, I, I turned the uh, DMR and the hotspot on uh, so that I could have that connection when the bad weather was coming through. Wow. But you, I, I like it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I like the capabilities of it and the ideas of it, but uh, uh, simplex radio to radio contact is is me. Uh, that's what I really get into is talking from my radio to your radio without anything in between. Uh, that's what really gets me. I'm a repeater owner. I have one on top of our local hospital in town, but oh, okay. I'm, you're going to catch me on simplex on two meters. That's just that's just the way I roll. Nice. <laughs> I also noticed some pictures of uh, your bike mobile setup. You have a, <laughs> uh, I guess it's a mag mount uh, antenna on the on the rear fin of your, or I guess you welded that, is what you're saying here. Yeah, so and that's another little, I guess, quick and little uh, repurposing I've done. Uh, 
that bike was laying behind the shop and had uh, several years of leaves laid on top of it and I got the bicycle back operational. We had a old uh, train tracks that came through the community and I think it's uh, 60 or 70 something miles worth of tracks. The, of course, the company uh, is not in business anymore and there hadn't been a train on it in years. So uh, they converted the entire track. They, they took the tracks up and made the whole thing a paved walking or biking trail that stretches uh, through several counties. And I got really interested in doing, in riding my bike. I'm not much of a walker, but I, I can ride a bicycle. And I started getting a little bored though, because when I would go, they wouldn't really, everybody else would be at work. Uh, wasn't a lot of people to ride with. So I, I'd get a little bored just riding a bike by myself. So I come up with this idea. I had that little mag mount antenna and I had a, uh, I had a quad band mobile radio, FM radio in my truck which was two meters and 70 centimeters along with six meters and 10 meters FM. And it would cross band. So here I go, I get this light bulb and I said, Hey, I need to make me a, a bracket for the mag mount, stick it on there. Then I can put my handheld radio in the water bottle holder and I set the truck to cross band repeat from, let's say, 70 centimeters to uh, six meters or, you know, or 10 meters. So I could, I could work 10 meter or six meter FM while I was uh, on the, on the bike trail as long as the battery held up in the truck. So yeah, that was another thing that I, I tried. That's pretty cool. You don't really hear too much about that many bands on a mobile anymore, especially 10 and six. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It was something that was a little fun. It, uh, wasn't a lot of activity on it you know 10 and 6 is both the bands you have to kind of catch at the right time of the year for the to be a lot of activity on it but yeah i remember late last year was getting pretty exciting on those bands though yeah i enjoy looking back at my at my logging program and and just selecting six meter or 10 meter contacts and it's interesting uh, you can over time you can go back and see when what time of the year you know that that band's open and it amazes me that sometimes I'll have six meter sideband contacts in December and when people say you know six meters a summertime band and ten meters a wintertime band well you know it opens up two or three times a year if you catch it just right yeah I think I have maybe a handful of six meter contacts and then quite a few more because of last year in the 10 meter area. And, uh, it was mostly FT8 though, because of the fact that <laughs> I was seeing some pretty big distances, but I knew that my antenna was not really good for 10 meters. So I was just pushing uh, everything through the tuner and trying to get the weak signal stuff. So FT8 was the way for me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that FT8 is another thing that I was really big into when I first tried it, and then I kind of got bored with it. Um, so people listening, you know, it's okay if you get bored with something, find something else. Uh, and in my case, uh, the YouTubers, um, Ham Radio Dude, Temporarily Offline, you know, they started the FT8 off on Thursday nights, and hey... Now I got something to do with FT8, and 
because I, I had done work in most of the countries in the states and this and that with ft8 and so i needed something else to do with it so that brought ft8 back to my interest so now you start seeing some ft8 coming back into my log now where yeah. for several years you didn't see it so why did you get into youtubing about ham radio getting into youtubing ham radio was really a complete accident I guess, you know, during the uh, COVID shutdowns and they was letting us off work for a week at a time, work a week, be off a week. So on my weeks off, I was out here playing radio and 100 Watts in a Wire podcast um, started doing YouTube shows on the weekends and like Saturday mornings and stuff. And a Christian K0STH uh, put this on. And of course, I was I was a follower of that, and I always enjoy his shows and stuff. He's a great narrator, and he started doing a pre-show meet and greet. We'd get on a Zoom call or whatever he was using, and he'd bring somebody in onto the video stream for five or ten minutes and chit chat, and then move on to somebody else. And I got to participating in that pretty regular, coming in and saying hello to everybody and enjoy that interaction as we mentioned earlier you know that interaction with with the people well then here i come watching um ham radio 2.0 watching one of his shows and he mentions and of course i'm over here doing something on the computer while i'm watching it as well so uh, i've got a little distraction going on and i hear him say if you'd like to be on the stream send me an email and i'll send you a link I said, oh, cool, another meet and greet, right? So I send him an email. I said, hey, I'm interested. He replies back, what's your ham radio channel? <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, well, why does that matter? Because I'm just coming on to say, hey, right? But anyway, I had one. You know, I wasn't really using it for nothing, but I said, okay, well, here's my YouTube channel. And he ends up replying back, oh, okay, great. Well, here's the link, and this is the time and the date. So then here comes that time, and I show up to the show. And I get to looking on the screen, and I'm going, wait a minute. This is a big meet and greet, but but hang on a minute. <laughs> These are a lot of big-name folks on the screen here. Whoa. And then I start seeing the title of the show and the YouTubers bunch and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that show brought a lot of new subscribers to my channel. And with a lot of new subscribers came a lot of new viewers. And at the time I was doing some pretty regular live streams early in the mornings, uh, throughout the weeks that I was at home and stuff. And then I started interacting with those viewers that were coming into my live chat and just having a blast. Uh, and it just grew from there. I just grew some friendships online through the live chat and uh, with other YouTubers. And, you know, here we are now. I just really enjoy it turned in to me. If you look back at some of my old videos that who knows why I was even live streaming and recording, because I don't know. But it turned in from just tinkering around with a computer to actually now, instead of looking at and talking to just the computer or camera, 
I'm actually visualizing, I'm talking to these people that's in my live chat. I'm actually talking to people. Mm-hmm. So it kind of evolved into that interaction where it kind of had more of a purpose. And I've always enjoyed sharing little projects when I'm tinkering around or trying to fix something, but I end up destroying it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I've always liked to, uh, to share that with folks. So that's kind of enables me to do that. Yeah, I think... Uh that's always a great thing to watch is when someone destroys something. <laughs> <laughs> the magic smoke. Yes. So are you a regular co-host now on Coffee and Ham Radio, that show with, uh, with Temporarily Offline? Well, I have not been told that I am, but um, I enjoy watching it. And if they ever uh, send me a message inviting me to come on when they, okay. you know, I guess... Uh, I'm the extra, maybe. I guess I, I was um, just a little skewed because I watched last weekend, which was uh, it was Saturday morning, right? And uh, I watched that first, but then before that, or maybe after that, I can't remember now, there was one called The Cut. And I watched that one, and that one was hilarious. The Cut was hilarious. So I'll link it in the show notes, but that that whole thing, I was just laughing so much. Because it's just like ridiculous questions and then all these soundboard effects, you know, like the buzzer noise and uh, yeah. lots of dancing, lots of uh, tequila, I guess, is what people <laughs> were trying to say. But anyway, I had the impression that you were like the person who made the cut because you were then on that show with the smoking ape and temporarily offline and and uh, KK6USY. So I was like... Oh, is this the new host? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and really, I think that none of us really thought about that until after the show started. Uh, I know I didn't. I, I did not think nothing about that. But so w- what you were referring to was, yeah, so the Coffee and Ham show was Saturday morning, and they also do it on Sunday mornings, but the, I was on Saturday morning. But then I was also on that show uh, Friday evening. Yeah, there we go. And that you're talking about where we was cutting up, and there were several of us. And uh, the other guys that was on that is a ham radio channel that we started uh, called the Ham Radio Clubhouse. And so we kind of filled in Tuesday nights around 7. We, we seen mm-hmm. there was a little bit of a gap on Tuesday nights of ham radio content. And so we jumped into that section there. And the way that was born was uh, some of the viewers that were on my channel and on other channels, I started a Discord like some of the other channels have. And Discord, you know, has the video chat availability. And, and every night we was getting in there having just a little video chat on Discord. And we were having an absolute blast. Uh, probably some things that were being discussed that YouTube would shut down. But uh, we said, look, uh, you know, <laughs> we're having so much fun. Why don't we make a show and uh, bring other people in with us? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll just have to uh, remember that other people will be watching us and try to act right a little bit better. But uh, so that's where the Ham Radio Clubhouse <laughs> came into. And, of course, then you had ham radio and coffee that evolved about the same time. So I think it was just kind of a, a collaboration that they approached us. Hey, do y'all want to come do this little skit with us? It was all put on uh, 
prearranged with questions and stuff like that. Of course, we went way off topic, and like we oh, yeah. always do, but that's what makes it fun. <laughs> it did. It was it was all over the place, but I was I was laughing because the questions were just so random, and I was just like, "What what is this?" I I, I really wasn't following what was going on initially, but I was enjoying it all the way. A lot of confused folks, I believe. So <laughs> I don't think there was much advertisement of what was going to happen. <laughs> but it's great to watch you guys. And, you know, there's there's always discussions going on. And I, I like that uh, Temporarily Offline and Ham Radio 2.0 and, and others are, are really looking to uh, have some regular, you know, scheduled content around Ham Radio weekly. As you know, I, I've also been trying to have weekly podcast episodes but sometimes things don't work out for people that i want to line up for an interview and other times it's just you know the week is just really rough and i'm just taking it by uh, the seat of my pants here <laughs> trying yeah. to uh, get stuff out there and um, you know line up people get, keep the conversation going yeah, and you know, sometimes you just have to go with the flow. I mention a lot of times, especially when I'm on the other live streams on other channels, when they go around introducing everybody's channels, I don't really have a big uh, selling point for mine, you know, uh, because I'm, I'm doing it for the fun of it. Uh, and whenever I have an opportunity to come on somebody else's show, uh, I'll, I'll do it to help make it fun and help them feel feel a spot, you know, and. And then if I get time to, to live stream on my own or to record some video and put content out, I will. But at uh, this point in my life, I'm not to where I don't have the schedule where I can just commit to putting out regular videos. So I, I have a lot of respect for the guys that can still work their full-time jobs and do what they got to do and, and still find time to put out these videos uh, for the rest of us to enjoy. And, um, and I'm really glad that I found your podcast because I hadn't really uh besides 100 watts in a wire i had no other ham radio con uh, podcast so every now and then I'll, I'll go on some long drives work related uh two or three hours and it's a great thing to listen to and, yeah. and now i've also started listening to yours when i'm sitting at my desk and got a lot of paperwork to do i'll have <laughs> it playing in the background to kind of uh, keep me entertained for a little while yeah there's um you know there's hrcc's podcast which tends to run pretty long and that's uh for some people that's kind of like a deterrent i guess <laughs> i've seen some comments on my twitter about just how long they are but i like it because i listen to them on the weekends i don't know when they actually release what days they actually release but uh leah and josh they they put out their their podcast and i think one was like four hours long uh i don't think i made it through that one but the others, they're like two, three hours long, and I just have it running in the background while I'm doing stuff on the weekends, and it's uh, it's a great way to just hear all the feedback and see how they're doing, what they're up to, and uh, getting stuff done at home. Yep, it's interesting to be able to just keep up with other people, what they're doing, and how the hobby's going for them, and you know, it kind of helps inspire others like myself it may give me an idea of something that i could try and uh and then sometimes people are doing projects that are probably way too complicated for my uh, way of thinking so i just enjoy watching them do it yeah 
And that brings me my, my next question, which is uh, what are some of the projects that you are currently working on, like uh, builds or antennas, anything like that? Well, uh, I think uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before or after we started recording, but um, I got the new or new to me, the uh, KM4 ACK infed halfway half wave i'm sorry and uh i've got all the parts in for it to build it out and the reason i went with it is i don't do a lot of portable operations uh most of my radio operating is here in the shack but when i get a chance to get out i do enjoy it and we have a beach vacation trip coming up and i need an antenna uh, i took one last year to the hotel balcony I'm not a beach guy very much. I like to see it and I like to smell it, but I don't like to sit out in the sun for more than an hour. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll spend my time on the balcony and just overlook everything in the shade and the breeze. But uh, the antenna I tried last year when we went was a multiband mobile antenna that uh, was pretty compact for something that would run HF, but it was the Diamond HV7A. And... Uh, it had HF capabilities on it. So I clamped this thing to the uh, balcony rail, made me some ground. I got some, uh, I got a video of it on my YouTube channel. Pretty little contraption I had set up. And I, I made a couple six meter contacts and I made some 40 meter contacts, uh, but I didn't get out very far. The two six meter contacts were in the same county that I was in, and the 40 meter contact was in. Uh, down at ny4 pd down near miami florida i believe is where he's at mm -hmm. uh but it it had some issues it had an intermittent issue that didn't work so i i had to come up with something better uh i got a little bored with it because it didn't work out too well so i'm hoping i can get this antenna put together and uh maybe not get in too much trouble for stringing it off the balcony but we'll we'll come up <laughs> with something and uh if I have to go out into the sand, I'll just get an umbrella and take it, take the antenna and radio out to the sand, I guess. But besides that, we've got uh, some foot switches to put together. Uh, the foot switch I got is working, but it's one of those uh, 11 or $12 Amazon specials. It's real light, and it's always moving around on me. So uh, at work, they are rearranging or remodeling our dispatch center. And they was about to throw out some really good heavy-duty uh, foot switches, and I was able to get those. So I got some ends to, to make those up to work for the radios. And that's my immediate projects. Uh, in the near future, I have a 4-to-1 ballon that I just got the other day so that I can start moving forward on putting up a 80-meter uh, loop antenna. And I'm really looking forward to that because, like I said earlier, I've only had one antenna to work off of. And when you only have one antenna, if you can't hear or work the station, you're probably not going to hear or work the station. But if you have the opportunity to switch to a different antenna that's configured different, you may have complete different luck. So I'm looking forward to putting that up. I wanted to do a 160-meter loop, but... A one acre of property is all I've got, and I've got power lines running through half of the south side of that property. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I can't go too far that way. So I'm, I think I'm just going to have to be stuck with 80 meters. Yeah. 160 still eludes me as well. I, I have a very small space. Uh, the lot's pretty small. It's not, not even an acre. So 
still trying to figure that out. There, there are various antennas that um, KK4QAM showed me where you are, I guess you're doing an inverted L and then some creativity with grounding to, to kind of fool the, the radio that it's a 160 meter antenna, but have yet to try it. There's some tricks out there, and that's one thing that I really love about uh, radio, especially the HF part of the hobby, is what, how much little pro- uh, product you can use or material you can use to actually make an antenna. And uh, it just amazes me how you, what you can do. Uh, local down the road hooked his coax up to the roof of his shop and works 80 meters on it. Um, his roof is the uh, antenna? Yeah, yeah. For eighty meters, he he uses the uh, tin roof on his shop. I don't remember the dimensions on the shop, but it worked out quite well. Oh, that's amazing! And then you got you know one of our a lot of our a regular for a lot of our channels on YouTube, uh, Mr. Marty and Rosa in California. They live in an apartment building, and he uses the rain gutters on the uh, apartment for an antenna. And we've made contact from California to Mississippi while he was using his rain gutter. So, you know, stuff like that just amazes me. Yeah. I should probably try that. I have rain gutters all around. (laughs) There you go. His just so happened to be, I forget the dimensions, but just happened to be the right length and uh, configuration uh, to make it like a a dipole. But uh, it's pretty neat how he come up with that. Yeah, it reminds me of Josh. And his Willet antenna videos, right? And he just <laughs> yeah, hooks, that was... hooks up his tuner to various items or things or even the house. <laughs> that was some fun episodes that came out. <laughs> so who are your ham radio Elmers or ham heroes? Well, currently I have to give credit to all the uh, YouTube and podcast guys and girls that, that do ham radio on YouTube because uh, there's... This day and age uh, that we're in right now, a lot of people uh, have not been able to really be at club meetings and, and social events that has to do with ham, ham radio. Uh, there's not a lot of TV shows and stuff like that that you can watch on, on satellite or cable and that has to do with ham radio. You may see one in there, but that's not what they're talking about. So. Uh, I think it's a really great thing that everybody that's that's doing the the YouTube and the podcast and just sharing all this and and being supportive of each other is a big thing and I I just think that's awesome. Um, you don't really see one ham radio guy or girl trying to make their channel the biggest baddest channel. You know the the Josh has a huge following, right? Yeah. But he's just as down to earth as any of us that's got lower numbers on subscribers that just started out and this and that. Same way with Jason. He's been real supportive and uh, just everybody's real supportive of it. As far as locally, uh, you know, just local friends that live just a couple miles around the house, uh, we're kind of the same way. We we don't do video or podcast, uh, you know, but we'll talk on, on two meters and in person. And if one of us needs something and we got it laying around, we're going to pass it forward. Wow. Now, you said you had a repeater that you set up on a hospital roof. And uh, can you tell me a little more about that? How did you do that? Is there special repeater equipment that you need to get that going? Well, no, this uh, is a very... Uh, 
very simple repeater, I guess, and a lot of people would say a very inefficient, more than likely, but uh, it worked for what we was trying. And when I say we, at the time, um, for the several years, I had... I was into photography. That was one of the hobbies that I couldn't think of earlier. Uh, <laughs> severe weather photography was a thing of mine. And mm-hmm. when I started taking pictures of lightning and, and storms and stuff, I needed a place to show that off, right? A place to put my pictures so others could see it. So I started a Facebook page called North Mississippi Storm Chasers and Spotters. And that's where it started was just a place to put you know i was going out into the local area and taking pictures of these storms and and sharing them with folks over time that has evolved into a group of about 30 plus people between 30 and 40 people around the area that uh is really locked into severe weather events and we have grown uh, professional relationships with the local media and the National Weather Service and Red Cross and so on and so on. And wow. it's really amazing how that evolved. And in that evolution, we we had some that were really into hurricanes. Me, n- not so much. Um, you know, I don't, I don't look forward to getting stuck in a parking garage for several days uh, while it's windy and raining. But we had some guys that that's the kind of weather that they like to chase. And so the thing is, is they're having to go uh, five or six hours away from where we're at. And they still want a communication. So we started getting into ham radio uh, or starting to get some other people in the group into ham radio. And we could use a HF back and forth from there. But here locally, we said, hey, you know, we need some communication for the group of guys that's going out into the field in this area. So we put together these repeaters. We put two together ourselves, and then uh, one for a local club over in Tupelo. And it was located at the Tupelo airport. There was another UHF repeater that was up on a 185-foot tower at a friend's house in a county north of us in Alcorn County. And then we had mine we put at the hospital. And all three of these repeaters were linked by RF, and it, it worked out pretty good. But all three of these repeaters were made out of Motorola GM300 radios. You know, I mean, you got to think we're putting together three repeaters at the same time. We can't afford to go buy these uh, big name brand uh, repeaters and stuff. So mm-hmm. we were doing this all on our own. So uh, you got Motorola mobile radios acting as a repeater, uh, slapped a couple of 12 volt fans on them to keep it cool while it's transmitting. And mm-hmm. I haven't been to my repeater site in two or three years to, to even check on it because it's still working. It's you know, still so running. <laughs> it's uh, pretty neat how cheap we made those and how well they work. Of course, you know, they're not wide area. They just cover the county. Yeah. But uh, it's there. Do they have backup power or is it just grid power running them? Well, I am not sure about the other two repeaters that were in our little system, but mine at the hospital it's at the hospital so yes it is uh powered by the backup generator that kicks on if they lose power so Mm, it does have you know back in 1994 of course this was before i even got into ham radio i was still in elementary school but 
uh, we had the big ice storm. And I think a lot of people in the country, especially the South, uh, experienced this 94 ice storm. And the first, very first place in the county that had uh, power restored to it was the hospital because, you know, you got patients in there. That's the priority. So it's a, it's a little bit of a blessing for the backup power yeah. and also kind of a hindrance at the same time because if something happened and I needed to go and adjust something or, or look at something at the repeater, um, a lot of times I have to get and wait on I have to wait on a security guard to come and escort me to let me into the room because the rooms are locked you know and if I need roof access to the antenna I have to get special permission and wait for somebody to escort me I can't just show up and, and go work on it like yeah. you could if you had your own repeater site somewhere yeah but uh wow that's really cool though I mean it's kind of the spirit of ham radio just taking what you have access to and getting it all set up to talk to each other and it's pretty impressive that what two or three years later you haven't checked on it and it's still working fine yeah yeah it's actually it's got a nice uh vertical dual band antenna that's uh it's the comet gp9 uh that's transmitting off of and i've actually sit here and just looked at it when i'm in town i look up there at it and i'm like you know you would get so much more use out of, uh, if you were on my tower at the house yeah if the repeater <laughs> would just quit i would probably bring the antenna to the house but as long as it's in service uh it's right there so there there is a local club in town that has their own repeater uh, not too far from that one and they're on a 300 foot tower so of oh, course wow. They get more coverage. It gets more use. It's a club repeater. Uh, mine doesn't get that much use. Because, you know, it was primarily put up for our weather group. And uh, but I've always invited the local club because it doesn't have a whole lot of range. Because the top of the hospital is only about seventy feet. It's not. It's not a very tall hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always told them, hey, if, if y'all's repeater goes down for whatever reason please by all means use the fire out of mind you know uh, yeah. make it smoke if you can use it so <laughs> other than that tested. it tells the time every hour oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so that is its public service currently yes <laughs> i was actually going to convert it over to a dmr repeater and and, and make it digital oh. but i never could talk the it guys into the hospital to let me have an open uh port for that to work oh, on yeah, their uh, yeah. on their network, and I debated on doing just the uh, sell your hotspot, but uh, I never followed through with that either. So that would have been one way around it, but I don't think we have. There's not a whole lot of digital uh, use in this immediate area for me to to put that much effort into it right now. Yeah. Well, that's all I had. Uh, is there anything else you want to say or? plug or give advice about before we close here well i'm just going to say uh for first time listeners please check out some of other of dennis's podcast i'm still got a lot to catch up on myself and uh come come visit my channel k5yvy amateur radio station is the simple name of it and check out what i got going on uh i tell people you'll have to subscribe and click the bell because i don't have a schedule so uh, I'll randomly might put up a live video or a recorded video. You don't want to miss it. So, um, 
and also the ham radio clubhouse tuesday nights at seven o'clock central is when we do that and it's uh it's just a hangout uh cutting up having fun like you would maybe do at your ham radio clubhouse but uh invite everybody we love to interact in the chat and we're going to start bringing on other guests uh soon as well instead of just seeing the same ones over and over um yeah ham radio Radio and coffee and all the other guys just come join us and you can find links to a lot of other sites too or or youtube channels yeah you'll see k5yvy sometimes on other people's streams that's where i've seen him the most and of course uh have uh caught i think maybe one or two of your actual live streams like your live in the shack ones but i have i'm subscribed and uh notified as well and yeah check it out definitely k5yvy amateur radio station channel and are you also on twitter i am on twitter uh the k5yvy is the user handle okay and uh you can find them there but um yeah it's been great talking with you joe and uh thanks a lot for taking the time once again to be on the show really fascinating stuff you got going on over there I, i really do like your your setup still admiring the pictures of your antennas here yeah just keep it up i hope to actually catch you and uh and chat with you in your live streams coming soon yeah hopefully uh hopefully we can make that happen i've, I've been a little aggravated at my internet uh quality here lately uh it's kind of why i haven't done some personal live streaming um, but also we've been, I've been so busy trying to keep up with everybody else's content and, uh, doing some other live shows that we kind of go with that, but, uh, we'll try to get some stuff updated and, and get some stuff freshened up a little bit. And so you're not looking at the same old thing, but it was a pleasure having me on. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. And, uh, I'll say seven, three for now. Catch you later. 73. Thank you. You've been listening to Hamden Thoughts by 8060M. Thanks a lot, and we'll catch you next time.